morning, everybody. It's, it's really a great privilege to, to be sharing with you this morning. Um, this, is, uh, this has been Frank's pulpit. It is now Pierre's pulpit. And it's just a real honor um, to, to stand in the place where, where they do their thing on a Sunday morning. And thanks for the opportunity. It's, it's, it's a real honor. So this morning, we're going to carry on with our Multiply series. Um, Pierre last week laid the groundwork talking about the heart of giving. And this week, I'm going to try and address some of the, the head issues, some of the more thinking kind of aspects of it. And I've entitled what I want to talk about today, Embracing a Volunteer Tradition. And I, I wrote it all over the back of my shirt. Can you see that? From Psalm 110, verse 3, this is really one of my favorite scriptures. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And then, um, just to kind of emphasize it from the NIV, your troops will be willing on your day of battle. And I guess that's a theme that's been running uh, through this morning, is that, you know, what we do, it's all about being a volunteer. I, I, just by the way, I got this shirt from a, um, a little shop in, uh, in Woodstock. I saw volunteer tradition. I thought that's just amazing because it, it just speaks to who we should be as Christians, what our lives should be all about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a militaristic phrase. It talks about us being volunteers in the army of God. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to use that metaphor a little bit this morning, that, that we are in the army of God and that that we come in as volunteers. We are not conscripted. We all said, yes, please. You know, it's, it's a, it's not, you weren't forced into the family of God. It was your choice. And when you make that choice, you make it with everything that you've got. Like Brian was saying earlier, you know, we, we give him everything uh, because he gave us everything. That's the greatest bargain in history. We get everything from him. We give what we've got in exchange. It's just a little, but when we do it with faith, then it pleases God. Standing in worship earlier this morning, one feels so inadequate. One feels so small. Standing and worshiping the king of the heavens. He who spoke creation into being. Out of his mouths, the stars came roaring out. But when we give him the little that we've got with faith, it's acceptable to him. It's pleasing to him. When you volunteer with a willing heart, when you're willing in the day of his battle, then that pleases him. And the reality is God has created us and birthed his church to be an absolutely essential part of his plan. He's effectively saying that he needs us. He's placed himself in a position where he needs us because he said that the church is his plan. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes, he says, God's purpose was to use the church to display his wisdom. This was his eternal plan. There is no plan B. If we sit back and don't do anything, if we don't embrace that volunteer tradition, nothing's going to get done. Those countries that Kate prayed for now, if we don't pray, if we don't go, if we don't give into that cause, nothing will happen. Because the Father in his wisdom has determined that it is, it'll be through the church that his, wisdom, that his wisdom, his power will be will be made evident. So that's why it says, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. When we come as volunteers, that's when the power of Jesus will be released in the earth. So that means an attitude of, Lord, I'll do 
whatever it takes. I'll work with whomever you want me to work. It's not just about us. It's about us working together and working with the other churches in this city, churches across the world. We don't claim to have a monopoly on his truth. We work together and we give everything for that cause. You know, there are only, there are only really two types of people in the world. Uh, I remember Francois Hiernes preaching here saying, you know, that there's a that scripture in Psalms somewhere. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I'd completely agree with that. You know, it's so obvious that there is, you know, creation shouts out the, the, the existence of God. But he said the, another take on that could be, the fool says in his heart, no God. No thank you, God. No thank you to, to the offer of eternal life, the offer of friendship with God. And of course, most of the, the, the time, the world doesn't have the manners to say, no, thank you. It's like obscenities. You know, God, I want nothing to do with you. Um, but we say, yes, please. And there are only really two people, two types of people in this world. Those that say, yes, please. And those that say, no, thank you. And if you said, yes, please, let's take a moment to, to celebrate that. When you've said, yes, please to God, when you, when you said, I buy in, Lord, to your plan for my life. This plan that, that you have, I, I accept that I am your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for a life of good works, and I'm signing up for that. I'm volunteering for that work. That's something to celebrate because it's the best decision we'll ever make. So it's, it, it's a good, good thing, and it's a great place to be starting. So, so we start off as volunteers, but of course, you know, when you come into an army, you're a, you're a trippy, you're a, a private you know, that's, that's not where it's supposed to end. You know, God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow up to be a, a soldier of God, that we, that we know how to use the weapons that he makes available to us, that we know uh, the strategies. We know he who's on our left and she who's on our right. We know the people that he's connected us to. Um, and our objective is to, is to serve him and ultimately to to put a smile on God's face, on our commander-in-chief. And likewise, not just our commander-in-chief, but the captains that he has given to us, that we, we serve underneath those captains to put a smile on their face as well. Rick Warren says, um, he says, the smile of God, this is in The Purpose Driven Life, which, which I love. It's a great book and I recommend it to everybody. He says, the smile of God is your goal in life. Jesus is your, your commander-in-chief, this is what you want to do as a volunteer. You want to serve him and put a smile on the face of God. Now, in this army, there are obviously rules. There are rules of engagement. And I like to say that as volunteers, we don't just sign up, but we also sign up to embrace a life of discipline. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the Lord, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I've, I've taken a, a, a few scriptures here he says endure suffering as a good soldier of jesus it's like really <laughs> suffering but there is hardship uh, you know just the regularity pitching up every day you know starting every day saying lord whatever you've got for me today i'm signing up for that endure suffering as a good soldier of jesus soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them, the Holy Spirit who enlisted us. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. So be diligent to present yourself approved to God. 
So there are spiritual disciplines that attach that are important to us being effective soldiers in the, God, in the army of God, in his service. Disciplines that will show that, that we are worthy of promotion and greater responsibility. And there are lots of disciplines um, that, that we can talk about. Reading and studying God's word, intentional biblical fellowship, looking after your body, getting enough rest, not eating or drinking too much, I do that. <laughs> Being faithful to your spouse, avoiding harmful influences, pornography, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Keeping a guard on your mouth, keeping your life clean of bitterness and unforgiveness. There's, we can go through a long list of the spiritual disciplines that we need to embrace. This morning I want to talk about three of them, three key spiritual disciplines. And those are to be a good steward in the field into which God has placed you. Being a good steward of your talents and your gifts and being a good steward of your money. And again, we make no apology for talking about money in this church. We talk about these issues because they're absolutely essential for all of our spiritual growth. And I really feel the heart of the Father, and, and you can take this as a prophetic word, saying that the heart of the Father is that we will not be owned by money. Pierre said that last week, that we should be owners of money. Now, that doesn't just mean that you've got money in your bank account or you've got money in your pocket, but that you own this thing. It is absolutely essential. This is why Jesus spoke about it so much, because this is the number one thing that competes for our attention. So the heart of the Father is that we will not be owned by money, but that we will own it. We will own that concept. You will not be owned by debt. That's, that's a big issue for so many people. That you will not be owned by the fear of lack, the anxiety that comes with money. So these, these are things that are on the heart of the Father. And, you know, we, we make no apology for speaking about them. And, you know, in this conversation that we're having this morning, you know, I'll perhaps touch on a lot of issues. And we're absolutely available to engage in one-on-one -on -one discussion. You know, if you've got questions, if you want to talk about these kinds of things, the guys that are on the, the FinCom, like Skulk, myself... Pete, Neil, Kate, Pierre, we're available. We're available anytime to talk through these things. And I, in fact, I've got to say, I think that as the church, we don't talk about money enough. As people in, in our life groups, we don't talk about money enough. It seems to be a no-go area. Sometimes we'll talk about really, really difficult stuff, but we don't want to talk about money. And I think we should open up about that. I think we all need a little bit of help. So it's something that, uh, that I feel strongly about. There's, there's a lot of good advice in the Word of God. So tap into that, but equally you want to hear it from you know, people that have learned some lessons along the way. Right, so the first one is about being a good steward in the, in the field that God has placed you. So if you've kind of been around me a bit, you know this is something I believe in really, really strongly, the centrality of the local church. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You know, it's absolutely important that we are motivating and encouraging each other because none of us can do this in our, on our own, in our own strength. And we need that motivation and encouragement. And sometimes we need that admonition as well. And 
it's, it's so critically important that you are locked in and committed. I think I said last week, you know, if you don't like us, please go somewhere else and be locked in there. But be locked in somewhere. Be connected somewhere. Be a part of the body because you cannot survive on your own. And invest in your local church family. So we're going to talk about talents. We're going to talk about money. That's all connected. About investing in your local church. God said to, after Cain murdered Abel, the Lord came to him and said, where is your brother? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. We are our brother's keepers. We are our brother's and sister's keepers. We need to look out for each other. So embrace your local church program and the culture. Now, listen, let me just say, I've done the cult thing, you know. I've been in a cultist church. We kind of believed we were the only way. And we'll be the first ones to admit, we are not a perfect church. We don't have the perfect program. We hope we present sound doctrine. We don't know all the answers to all the mysteries. But it's, you know, this is the place where there's sound doctrine and where there are people that will look after you. Uh, you know, the Bible warns us there's lots of competing uh, ideologies. There's lots of different messages out there. And there's lo- there really is lots of good stuff out there. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love a lot of stuff that's outside of our Every Nation family. But all the time, I'm checking it to what I hear from Pierre on a Sunday. You know, what's in our statement of faith? What's in our policies, etc. You're always checking it back to that. Does it resonate? Does it make sense? You know, because this is the place where you're safe, where you're shepherded, where the word of God is preached, and you can find safety and security in that. So there's a lot of fashionable stuff out there, and it's, it's good to hear some of the new stuff, but we don't necessarily have to rush after everything. And, you know, again, the, the church, this is the local church where you belong, you know, if you, if you choose to, to make that decision. So don't fall into the trap of just, you know, I'm just going to hang out with people that love Jesus. One Sunday I'm going to go there and I'm going to enjoy their style and their flavor. And another Sunday I'm going to go somewhere else. Be locked in. Be known and know other people's issues. Okay, and then just on, on the issue of giving into your local church, you know, part of that is it's also it's a, it's a matter of trust. Um, you know, can I trust my local church, can I trust the leaders in the church to, to administer those finances effectively, to allocate them effectively? So part and parcel of, you know, what, what we do, what we believe as a local church is, you know, we want you to embrace, um, the, embrace the wisdom with which, which with the leaders of, of your church manage the resources that you bring into the place. So it's, you know, it's, in that army, volunteers, yes, commander-in-chief, but respecting and acknowledging and honoring the role of those captains as well. And an army is only effective when the troops have faith and confidence and trust, not just in the commander-in-chief, but also into the, in their captains. Right, and then the, the second discipline is about being a, a good steward of your gifts. And the good news is that he has given each one of us a gift. Ephesians 3.7 says, Exactly that. <laughs> and, and I just want to talk a little bit about the, the, the parable that Jesus told about the talents in both Matthew chapter 25 and Luke 19. Right at the start, when Jesus is telling the parable, he says that the, the, the king that was going away on business, he said to the, the three stewards to whom he allocated different amounts of resource or money, he said, do business until I come. I love that message, that we should be active, we should be involved. Um, and then I've got a couple of quotes there from those 
from those scriptures that, you know, when, when we do get involved, when we are active, when we do what God has called us to, it pleases him. God is not pleased with a lazy servant. Okay, so there's a message there about, about laziness. It's all about the centrality of personal responsibility. This is serious stuff that God has given to each one of us a gift. We're we jealous for that gift. We want you to use your gift in this local church because we need your gift. Just like I said at the beginning, that um, God, has, God has almost made his, himself vulnerable to us, dependent on us in a way. I mean, it sounds blasphemous to say that. I apologize if it's not coming across correctly. But he's saying, the church will be the vehicle that I use. This, this church is important to fulfilling God's plan and purpose, but your gift is important to us as the local church getting that right. So there's a huge issue of personal responsibility here. Jesus says you'll be judged on the words that you speak, and you'll be judged, as it's made very clear in the parable of the talents. You'll be judged on how you use your talent, and there's reward for using your talent effectively. Right, and then we talk about what I like to call the theology of money. So I was looking for some scriptures just to talk generally about money, and I remembered one in Luke chapter 16 that I came across perhaps for the first time when I was a teenager. Jesus says, it is true, and it's a little bit scary this, it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd, they're smarter in dealing with the world around them with money than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And it kind of used to bug me, you know, the billionaires out there, the, the guys in the world that have made all the money, they don't seem to have much time for Jesus. You know, the Bill Gates or Warren Buffetts or the oil shakes or the football players, Donald Trump. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, Lord Jesus, why isn't it that, that Christians, that brothers and sisters in our family, you know, don't, don't have billions that would solve a lot of our challenges, to have a few more dollar billionaires in our church. Um, and I, th- I think it's a challenge from the Lord. You know, that maybe, okay, maybe there is a gap between how the world manages money and thinks about money and sometimes how the church does it. But we should close that gap because we should be just as smart as anybody else when it comes to managing money. Um, just a couple of other scriptures there, which I won't go through. Um, but there are four key aspects to stewarding your finance as well. There's the getting, there's the giving, there's the spending, and then there's the saving. Now, all these are, are absolutely key elements. So I want to talk just very briefly about getting, and hopefully there'll be some good practical tips in here. Um, I've taken a quote from our statement of faith on, on tithing and giving, which is on our website, which says that, We understand that in order to be able to give abundantly, and that's what this is all about, that's what Pete spoke about in the message earlier, that that we excel in the grace of giving. But in order to be able to give abundantly, we need to excel in getting. And then we say, we determine to use our energy and our talents and our labor in combination with his favor to create, create wealth for the purposes of advancing his kingdom. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, it says, it is God that gives you power to get wealth. He gives us power to accumulate, to create wealth. So my message is, 
please use that power. Please consider, in, in your thinking about money, consider how do I maximize, how do I optimize my, my getting, my wealth creation? Because if we're not focused on making money, then we're not going to do very well on the giving of money. And this is, these are sometimes hard questions. Um, are you, as a, as a family, as a couple, doing enough to maximize your income? Because sometimes we'll say, you know what, we're doing okay. We're doing okay to, to get by and to make our contribution to the church, to pay our tithe, to be involved in giving to, to missionaries. Um, we, we're doing something, um, but we, we're in a comfort zone. We quite like where we're at. We don't want to overextend. But if God's given you gifts, and if God's given both of you gifts, then, then use them. Feel the, the freedom. I, th- I think when I, I spoke last week, when Philippa was away up in Joburg, uh, representing her wonderful business, Recruit My Mama, and I said, a shout out to the working moms. You know, that we all, you know, in, if you are in a situation where you can work, where you're able to work, and, you know, I think in the kingdom, you know, we, we said the, you know, the gospel is like water. It's for free. Well, kind of water used to be for free. It's not for free anymore. But the plumbing costs money. So we said the water's free. It falls out of the sky, but the plumbing costs money. And we all need to be involved either in laying the pipes in the ministry or for paying for the pipes. So just an encouragement. You know, if, you, if, if, if you're at home and, and the kids are not at school and they don't need all the attention, Look for something to do with the talents that God's given you. And for some of you, that'll be, you know, unpaid work. That'll be ministry work. But for others, it can be paid work about, you know, using your skills. So the getting is really important. And I think as we go into the new year, this is something that I'd urge you to think about. And even, not just as we go into the new year, but think about this for your children. You know, sometimes we identify talents in a child's life. Wow, little Johnny or Yanni or Sipo. I can play the piano really well. You know, I'm going to encourage him or her to pursue that as a vocation in life. And my challenge is, well, like, you know, think about the, the money aspect of that as well. Because not everyone's going to win idols. And even for those who do win idols, you can ask. It's, uh, you know, it's not always easy. You know, it's not always lucrative to, to be a singer, songer, a songwriter, artist, whatever the case may be. So, you know, when, you, when you're talking to your children about you know, what they're going to do one day. You know, think about the money aspect as well. How are you going to put food on the table for your family? But also the call for every one of us is to do so much more than that, to be involved in buying the pipes or laying the pipes for this work that we need to do. All right. And then to talk about giving, um, as I mentioned, that, that, that scripture, which, which, which I think was somehow worked into that translation that Pete was reading from, which I don't recognize. But, but which sounded really good. <laughs> From 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. And then I put up there again from our, um, from our website, those who call every nation Somerset West their home church regularly give a tithe to the Lord. The tithe is the benchmark, and we encourage you to make that your objective and then to move, move beyond that. And one thing, one thing I can say, you know, there's some churches that, you know, you kind of walk in the door and they, you know, there's the credit card machine or, you know, we want to see a copy of your payslip. You know, we, we're not into that kind of stuff. We don't, we don't insist, uh, we don't check the bank accounts. You know, we don't insist that people 
pay their way to, to come into our church. One thing we do insist on is your faith. And that's why we always make such a big deal. When you give, make sure you give and your giving is wrapped up in faith. I do want to insist today that if you're a part of this church, that you get involved by contributing your faith. And the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. And that's why we say, you know, the tithe is the benchmark. That's where we want people to be. We do believe there's a blessing in the tithe. We make it very clear that, that our understanding of tithe doesn't come from the, the Mosaic law. It comes from consistent messaging in the New Testament, which speaks about proportionate, regular, frequent, sacrificial, and generous giving. And it comes from the example that our father in the faith, Abraham, set for us, which Paul makes very clear in Romans chapter 4 and in Galatians. Because of, because of the example of Abraham and because of the encouragement of the New Testament, that's what we do. As Pierre said last week, um, giving is not about law, it's about life. And that, that act of giving flows from faith and it comes from a heart of joy and with love for both the Lord and for, for the people that need the ministry. So we say support your local church, this church, by paying your tithe. And I would even go so, so far as to say don't be a free rider. Don't enjoy the worship, the preaching, all the blessing without making your contribution. Next week we're going to go into a lot of detail about exactly how we do spend our money. But I would urge you, please start somewhere. For many people, 10% is very intimidating. So start somewhere with your faith and trust God to take you along that journey. And you'll get there and you'll get beyond there. And that's a wonderful place to be. It really is. I can 100% say this as a testimony in my own life. It is absolutely more blessed to give than, than receive. Another encouragement that I would make when it comes to giving is use your head. You know, in, in Romans chapter 4, Paul makes it very clear. You know, these things are about personal conviction. And Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, let each one give as they've purposed in their heart. And I would urge you to think and to plan and to pray about your giving. Sit down as a wife and as a, as a husband and talk about your giving. Put it into your budget. Make sure that this is an absolutely essential thing in getting control of this money thing. Is if, you, if, you, if you aren't giving, you're not in control of the money thing. And don't be ridiculous about it. The Pharisees were ridiculous. You know, if they had tomatoes growing in their garden, they would, you know, harvest so many and 10% goes into the local temple. Or they'd tithe on their birthday presents or their Christmas gifts or things like that. We don't want like one slab of the chocolate that you get under the tree. <laughs> you know, it's, it's about, you know, you think about these things. It's about personal accountability and responsibility. God says, faith pleases me, not dead works. So these are things that we urge you to take ownership of, to think through, to plan your giving alongside your getting and your, and your spending and your saving. Yeah, don't sweat the small stuff is another thing I wrote down in my notes. I would also urge you to share your blessings. Be aware of needs around you in the church. Sometimes that means that we need to ask questions of each other. We need to get a little bit up close in our life group context. How are you, go, how, how are you going with your finances? You know, I've noticed that, you know, you, you, you haven't bought new clothes in a while or something like that. You know, that jacket's looking old and tatty. How are you guys doing? Can I pray for you? Can we, can we put our faith together? 
You know, let's, let's help each other out on these things. Invite people into your home. Cross boundaries. Ask questions. Get into each other's space. Be a family and love and care for one another. As I say, let's break down the taboo of not talking about money. I'm, I'm not saying you have to swap spreadsheets with each other, you know, how you, you know, how you allocate your money. But let's help each other out. Ask the difficult questions sometimes. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about spending. I'll quote again from my great hero, the Apostle Paul in Philippians. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now it's Christmas in just over a month. And I would urge you um, to, to be aware that we do live in quite tough economic times. And they're not necessarily going to get easier quickly. So times are tough. They will get tougher. Um, you can take this as a prophetic word. Taxes are going up. Our government needs money. You know, taxes are going to go up when uh, the Minister of Finance, not sure who that will be in February or March next year, um, when he announces the budget. And, and prices are going up. Inflation. And salaries may not be going up. You know, there's not a lot of new employment in our economy. So I'd really urge you to be prudent in your spending. Don't overspend this Christmas. Please avoid debt. Do not borrow money to buy Christmas presents. Do not fall into the trap. There's a lot of com, um, very kind of materialistic commercial messages out there. Um, you know, watch out for this stuff. You know, be aware of what you're spending. Prepare a budget. And stick to that budget if you're someone that, that lacks self-control. And if you need to be accountable in this area, then do so. Find a buddy that will help you. Um, just a little bit of advertising. Skulk's going to run the Financial Peace University again next year. I can tell you that it's made a big difference to a lot of people's lives. Find out more about that. Budget for that and save for that. Uh, but get on top of your finances, whatever it takes. If you have to reconsider your lifestyle, if you have to reconsider the, uh, your job, if you need to look for a job that pays better, then these are the things that you, you, you need to do. We can't super spiritualize this kind of stuff. And then lastly on the saving. There really is a scripture in the Bible that says the rich rule over the poor. That's a, that's a pretty sad message for many Christians because even though we could argue that most of us are probably in the top 1% or the top 5% in the world when it comes to you know, our living standards, and we, we really do have a lot. You know, we're a wealthier community than most. But the reality is that so many of us do struggle, and we know this to be true, that the rich rule over the poor. Those that have got capital are generally in a much better place than those that don't. And it's absolutely important that you save. It's important to invest in the kingdom of God. First, if, you, if you're asking the tough question, where do I prioritize? Uh, Pierre mentioned that scripture last week where Jesus said, lay up for yourself foundations in heaven. That's a form of saving. But you need to save on earth first. So I would say, yes, Invest in the kingdom of God first, but second, make it a, an important priority to save, to put money in a bank account, bank account, in a unit trust. Saving is absolutely important. And often people will say, you know, yes, well, the Lord will provide. But I'm telling you, the Lord provides in the good times for when the lean times come. Remember Joseph in Egypt? He, he got the vision about the cows. Well, Pharaoh got the vision and Joseph explained it. Seven fat years then seven lean years. Egypt had enough because they saved in the years of plenty. 
And when the years of lean times came around, everybody else relied on them. And that's how we're supposed to be as well. If we've got capital, if we've got savings, then when others are in hard times, we can help them out. And sometimes just by having the capital, just by having a facility with a bank account and a good credit record, that gives you the advantage as well. So it really is true that the rich rule over the poor in our capitalist world system, we can't change that. Make sure that's a part of taking control of your finances, that you've got savings as well. And as with your giving, start somewhere. If it's just 50 rand a month, start somewhere with a savings plan. That's really it. Um, when we talk about our finances, our getting and our giving and our spending and our saving, the attitude that underlines, underlies it all is absolutely important. That we go into all this thing with a volunteer attitude, that we develop in our own lives a volunteer tradition. I'm a volunteer, Lord Jesus, in your army, and I really want to, to serve and help, and I want to be an effective soldier, and I want to put a smile on the face of my commander. And let me say also, we need you to get this right. We need you to be successful in managing your own finances, in your budgeting, in your saving, in your giving, because we, this, this is not something that is just led from the front. This requires everybody. We need your gift, and we need your, your talent, and we need your, your resources. So um, in closing, I'd like, to, I'd like to pray, and I'd ask, like to ask that the Lord graces each one of us in, in our finances, not just our giving, in all of our finances. So Father, firstly, we recognize that you are the source of everything that we have. You are the giver of every good gift. And we recognize that finance, money, this is a big issue in our lives. Money is something that competes for our attention. It competes for our worship. But today, Lord, we say we choose to worship you and we choose to serve you with our lives, with everything that we are, all of our time, all of our efforts, and all of our resources. Help us to be responsible. Teach us lead us and guide us. Help us to have the courage to go to friends that are getting it right in this area and to learn from them. That we would all be liberated from debt, that we would all have a savings plan, that we would be responsible in our spending and that we would be generous in our giving. We ask, Lord, for your grace on every area of this, Lord. Help us to be successful in this, Lord that we can shine your light and then we can advance your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and bless this congregation of wonderful people.